Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Come with me in your Bibles to the book of Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5. I do, I do, I just realized I've got my, um, that's so good. Now I've got my, uh, my one year Bible. Sorry, Samuel. I've got my, I love this one. See, it's got the wide margin so you can write in there. How many, how many believe that if Samuel, really love Jesus, he'd make sure that next year we all had a one-year Bible with wide margins. No pressure, Samuel, but your entire reputation as a Christian and pastor and leader rests on your ability to get us a wide margin, one-year Bible. No pressure. No pressure. Just... <laughs> but I, I love it, but I just realized that it's, um, it's the NLT. So I'm going to just let me jump over to the New King James. All right. Joshua chapter 5, verse 2. Joshua 5, verse 2. Joshua 5, verse 2. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives for yourself and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. Like you think they'd come up with a better name, wouldn't you? Oh, I love the Bible. Anyone that says the Bible is boring just hasn't read it. <laughs> it's just awesome. Oh, my gosh. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they came out of Egypt. For all the people who came out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. Because they did not obey the voice of the Lord to whom the Lord swore. Oh, excuse me here. To whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which he had sworn to their fathers that he would give us. A land flowing with milk and honey. Then Joshua circumcised their sons whom he had raised up in their place. For they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. So it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, this day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of that place is called Gilgal, which means rolling away to this day. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. And they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover. Unleavened bread, parched grain on the very same day. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land. And the children of Israel no longer had manna, but they ate the food of the land of Canaan 
that year. They ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. I, I, love, I love this uh, passage of Scripture because it, it, it takes us through a transition and it highlights something. Most, most people know that there are two, two testaments, the Old Testament and the New Testament. There are also two facets of our relationship with God. The first facet is where Jesus is our Savior. We meet Jesus the Savior. He saves us. Marco, did I hear it's your birthday? Yesterday, Yesterday is Marco's birthday. Stand up, Marco Contreras. I just saw you. Have you been here the whole time? What? Marco and Natalie Contreras. Are there two greater human beings than these two humans? They're unbelievable. I, you guys just made... Uh, Boise, unbelievable on Sunday. I talked to Pastor Colin and said it was limping till the Contreras arrived. And then all of a sudden it was amazing. You guys are fabulous. Stretch your hands out towards Marco. Father, we declare this year, this year, a year of breakthrough, a year of abundance, a year of blessing. And I even hear the, the Holy Spirit just say to me, this year will be a year of unrealized dreams. It's, it's dreams, it's dreams that you've dreamt that have been put on the shelf or they seem delayed or they seemed, but this year will be a year of the, the materialization and the realization of dreams that have not yet materialized or have not yet, that, that have been unrealized, but, but, but they are from God. They are from God. They are from God. God has put them into your heart and because your heart is pursuing him. He, he is pursuing the, the things that he's put in your heart to fulfill them and to make them happen. Father, I thank you. Blessing over him. Blessing over his beautiful Natalie. Blessing over their magnificent children and their home. Everything they touch. Let it prosper and flourish. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy birthday. So, so we know we meet Jesus as the Savior. Jesus is the Savior. But there comes a point in our, in our journey where Jesus has to become Lord. Where Jesus has to become our Lord. Um, 37 years of being a Christian. I used to, I used to try and like, struggle with, man, how come God is breaking through for me but not for them? I remember... One of, one, of my, one of my friends very, very early on kind of would be in church on Sunday and then the following week, Friday night, we're, at, you know, we're kind of witnessing to people on the streets. Cause I got radically saved when I was 18. And uh, so we're witnessing to these people staggering out of, these, uh, out of uh, these taverns and clubs drunk. And then I see my friend <laughs> coming out just as hammered. And I'm like, what are you doing? And so he got all defensive and he said, well, it's all right for you. So what do you mean it's all right for me? He goes, well, God answers your prayers. God doesn't do anything in my life. And I'm like, oh, shoot. And I remember getting in the car, driving home that night, just kind of, kind of really, I wasn't expecting that, you know, like it was just like this verbal defensive attack. And I, and I just talked to God. I said, God, I, I don't understand. Like, the Bible says you show no partiality, but why don't you... Why don't you do stuff in his life? I don't understand. Like, I feel a little bit awkward. Like, I kind of feel like I'm your favorite. Because everything I pray happens. And then there are things that I thought, ah, oh, I didn't want to bother God. And you did them anyway. You know, like, it's pretty awesome serving you. But, like, couldn't you throw a bone to 
Like, and God said to me so clearly, he said, oh, do you know why I can do so much in your life and so little in his? I said, oh, no, why? He said, Jürgen, you've given me all of your life. He says, but your friend, he's only given me the tiniest little sliver. He says, I can't do a whole lot in there. It wasn't a God issue. It was actually a his heart issue. And Jesus is Savior. He's our Savior. But there's a, there's a transition when we make him Lord. And the transition goes like this. And this is the title of my message this morning. From provision to promises. From provision to promises. God will provide for you because you're His. Provision is what God does. God will provide for you. It's His expense, our benefit. When Jesus hung on the cross and saved us from sin and delivered us from the power of evil and delivered us from the power of the devil, pulled us out of a lost eternity, our names written in the Lamb's book of life, sealed with everlasting, everlasting hope, everlasting life, sealed with the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit, born again into His kingdom. He did it all. We did nothing. We just received it. In fact, the Bible says that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't like we even earned it. It wasn't like we... He, it was his, he paid the price and we were beneficiaries. The children of Israel, the Bible says here that there was a generation that walked through the wilderness under Moses' leadership that, that received manna every day. They received provision every day. They, they got water out of a rock. Their, their, their clothing never wore out. Their shoes grew on their feet. It was supernatural. The Bible says that their shoes did not wear out, neither did the clothes on their back. God brought manna from heaven. He brought quail from heaven. Every time they, they cried out to God, God met them at their need. He turned bitter springs into to pure water for them to drink. He provided for 40 years in the wilderness. And yet they, 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 they're under the leadership of Moses who doesn't want to have difficult conversations. Moses has his own insecurity issues going on when when he meets God uh, in in Exodus he says who am I that I should go to Pharaoh I'm a man of you know stammering lips stammering tongue stutter problems and I can't you don't understand I got this history and this baggage and I can't and and he's so he so complains with God that God says all right all right all right it's not is that not Aaron your brother let him be the spokesman. Moses was meant to be king and priest, but Aaron becomes the priest. And because Aaron was born or Aaron was established through compromise, no wonder the first time Moses goes up onto the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, what does Aaron do? He operates in how he was established. He compromises, takes all their golden earrings and makes two golden calves and they fall down and worship because that's how he was established. That's how he was birthed. That's how he was brought forth. And so, so Moses then, you, you find Moses actually has to kind of step in and, and take a more of a priestly role and more priestly leadership. But Moses loved that he was the guy with the stick. He, he was the guy that could hit the rock and water would come out. He'd lift it up and they'd win battles against Amalekites. And, you know, he, he was the guy who, you know, would wave it and the Red Sea would part. He was a guy who would lift it up and quail would come in. He loved being the miracle guy. He loved being the miracle guy. 
But then, then at the waters of Meribah, God says to, to him, I want you to speak to the rock. Speak to the rock. And Moses says to the people who had just been complaining about why we have to listen to Moses, because look at the, the priests, look at the Levites, God's moving amongst them. And even Miriam, his own sister, you know, said, we're prophesying or we're hearing from God. Why should we? And so Moses, out of his own insecurity, says, must we bring water for you rebels out of this rock? And he struck the rock. Nothing happened. So he struck it a second time and then water flowed. And I've heard preachers say that, you know, when he struck it twice, it was like crucifying Christ twice and Moses broke the type. And therefore, I actually think it's, it's, it's a little simpler than that. It was God sent Moses to people who were in bondage and slavery to show that God still moves in might and still moves in power and that God is a God of leadership and Moses was the selected leader. But a great leader's job is if at the end of, of my tenure, your dependence was on Jürgen, the man of God. If your, if your dependence was on the man of God, the man of God failed. If the man of God dies and everyone weeps and mourns and say, well, you know, that was a wonderful season. I guess that'll never repeat. The man of God failed. God said to Moses, and Moses says to God, hey, you, you let the children of Israel off the hook so many times. Come on, God, forgive me. Let me enter the promised land. God says, don't speak to me of it again. He says, you did not honor me. You did not hallow me in the eyes of the people because your job, Moses, was I gave you a stick and you used that stick to validate your own insecurities, to affirm your own brokenness and need for affirmation and approval, your job, your assignment was to get them from a God who still moves in miraculous power to a place where they see that the word of God is powerful and that if they obey the word of God and if they come under the word of God and if they make his word, that's why God said to Joshua, Joshua, you know, be strong, courageous, meditate in my Lord day and night. Do not let it depart from your mouth. God's desire was for, for people to see the power of the word of God. Moses parted a Red Sea, but you know what he didn't do? He didn't cause a sun to stand still in the sky. But Joshua speaking without a stick, without a magic wand, says sun stand still and the entire cosmos froze. The, you know, because we know the sun doesn't circle the earth the earth circles the sun so for the sun to stand still means that every planet all 12 planets in our soul or 11 left but had to had to come to a a, a, a freezing point for god to be able to to do that and there was no day like it before no day like it since from joshua god wanted the children of israel to come into alignment with his word so because moses had some insecurity issues and had to be the 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 man of god the make it happen god he, and it's a very strong picture of our, of our world today. We've talked for years on the man of God syndrome. And the man of God syndrome led into the, what I believe was the, the woke gospel. Because the man of God syndrome meant that I'm going to use my God's anointing, God's gifting, the platform he has given me to draw attention to me, to validate my, my, my daddy never told me that I loved, he loved me, so I'm going to use this and I'm going to feed off Instagram likes and Facebook likes and Twitter follows and, and, you know, whatever. 
going on Oprah or different shows. I'm, I'm going to use that because, so I'll, ju- I'll, just, I'll just water down the gospel because what's most important, I'm going to water down his word. I'm going to strike the rock because it's about my miracle, my power, my... So Moses didn't want to have the difficult conversations because why would he, why would he want to have a difficult conversation with people when it was all about him and his ministry and his validation. But I love Joshua. Joshua says, because the Old Testament, the, the sign of the Old Testament was circumcision. That, that was the sign of the Old Testament. So Joshua, they cross the Jordan and they come to this place. In front of them is Jericho. They've already sent the spies into Jericho. The spies have come back saying God's given Jericho and the, the people are terrified of us. But Joshua knows that we, 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 we ain't fighting till we get something right. God provided for Israel because Israel were his. He bore them. He bore their name. He gave the name to Jacob, Israel. He says, Jacob, no longer are you called Yaakov. No longer are you called heel grabber. No longer are you called schemer, deceiver usurper he says from now on you'll be called israel prince with god prince with god but circumcision here joshua says god has provided because he carried us he bore our name promises savior is because he will never deny or disown but when you cross the line if you want to see God's promises come to pass there's a price that you and I have to pay where we say God we're going to take your name and make it our name we're going to make your name out when they when they were circumcised they were identifying that the Lord was their God that we were that we are his people Israel and America Israel, God chose Israel. The biggest protector of Israel has been the United States of America. The reason America is so great and so powerful is because America at her inception chose God. Because America chose God, the promises of God have been realized in America unlike any other nation in human history. The devil knows this to be a fact. So what the devil has done working overtime, he knows that if he can take America away from God. And let me just tell you, the devil and the Democrat Party and the the cowardice rhinos are working overtime to get America to abandon God. They know that if they can if they can get America, the devil knows if he can get America to abandon God, then America will will fall apart and come under the devil's totalitarian regime. But it's not going to happen. You know why? Because there are churches that are rising that refuse to go woke, that refuse to go silently into the night, that are preaching the truth of God, and that understand the promises come when God is your uh, uh, provision comes when God is your savior, but promises flow when you make Jesus Christ your Lord and make him Lord over your life. Can somebody say amen? So in, 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 in our life, when I, look, when I look at making Jesus Lord, 
to, to make Jesus Lord means that, that he has the final say. He has the final say. The, the circumcision deal was painful. Because these were grown men. It wasn't like they were a little eight-day-old baby, which is what God said, do it on the eighth day. These were grown men. It was, it was painful. It was kind of private. Very, very personal. And yet, the children of Israel, the Bible says, they, they, they all submitted and they did that thing. God gave them victory after victory after victory after victory. They went from 40 years of provision into a next season of inheriting the promises, inheriting the promises. God said to, God said to them, all the things that I swore, that I have sworn to your fathers, that's called promise. You're going to inherit all the promises. The Bible says that they kept the Passover, and the day after the Passover, the provision ceased because they were now moving into a new season from provision into where they ate the harvest of the land where they're walking into the promises. Can I just tell you, you got saved. God bless you. You are so wise. Every week we get people saved. But one of the reasons that we don't leave people here, and I've never seen it so clearly, is because I don't want you to just to keep living, only experiencing God's provision. We want you to be discipled. We want you to deal with those things that are hidden, that are embarrassing, that are shameful, that are, that are under the surface. We want you to deal with those things where you make Jesus Christ Lord. Why? So you inherit the promises of God. Everywhere you see people walking into the promises of God, you can know for darn right, darn sure that they have paid a price. They've crossed over from Jesus is my Savior into Jesus is my Lord. Can somebody say amen? When we make Jesus Christ Lord, I remember when, when we lived in New Zealand, there was a, there was a family, and I, all of this was new. I got saved on a beach, and now finished Bible school, and they sent me to New Zealand. And, uh, and there was a, a, this, these, these two girls who would come to our youth group, and they would always sit up the back, and they were sweethearts, but kind of very nonchalant. And, and I was trying to figure out a way, how do I break through? They would come every week. They would come every week. And... Uh, I remember going around to visit the, the family, and the dad was a mechanic. And I, I thought, thank God, like the, the worst trade you could ever have in a church, especially down under, is a mechanic. Because everybody brought their car to the, you know, never had any money. And so the poor guy was always fixing other people's cars and never getting paid. It was just terrible. And, uh, but the mum and dad were super spiritual, super spiros. They were, they were, and so they, they, was saying that they were living by faith. They were living by faith. And I remember, I almost said the daughter's name. I remember this, this sweetheart she had. She had to go to the like Salvation Army disposal to buy clothes. And they had no money. And, and, and the parents are trying to, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And it's a little teenage girl. And she's got to go to school with Salvation Army clothes and everything. And then I'm visiting the family and the mum and dad are bragging about how they live by faith. They live by faith. And if I was honest with you, they, they said they were living by faith, and they were other people's. They were living by faith, everyone else's. And uh, it didn't look like faith. It looked like abdication of any responsibility. So he wouldn't work. He just, you know, they just wanted to read the Bible all day. And, and so... The truth is, though, it, 
like without fail, they'd be on their last piece of bread or their last thing of milk or orange juice in the fridge and groceries, somebody would drop off groceries or give them money and, and they'd have just enough to make it and they'd have just enough to make it. And they were sharing all these stories how, you know, they always had just enough to make it, just enough to make it. So I remember driving home past the Lance thinking, oh my gosh, maybe, maybe I'm just jacked up. Maybe there's something wrong with my head. To me, that looks broken and wrong. But, you know, I can't deny like miracles keep turning up, like provision keeps turning up. And then God spoke to me so clearly and he said, no, no, your hunch isn't incorrect. It's correct. He says, these lazy folks, they mask their laziness with super spirituality. He says, and I provide for them because they carry my name. I, I have to provide for them. David says, you know, I'm, I've been young and now I'm old. Two things, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. He says, because they claim to be Christian, he goes, but it's not my will. My will, God said to me, was for them to take my promises and flourish. So instead of every week just believing that they could make it through, they could actually be a source of blessing to somebody else. That they could, God, God said, I'm going to bless Abraham so much so that all the nations of the world will be blessed because of the blessing on Abraham. God wants you blessed to be a blessing. But these, these people, they love the Savior because there was no responsibility. But God wants us to move into a place where Jesus Christ is Lord. When Jesus is Lord, it, it makes him the master. Romans 1 verse 1, the apostle Paul says this. He says, Paul a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul, not Saul. I got saved as Saul. But let me tell you, I've transitioned from salvation. I'm now Paul. And I'm a bond. I'm bound as a slave, I've bound myself to be a slave to God. Oh, you know, why do you want to go to church? Like, you know, you lose all your freedoms. Actually, I found all my freedoms in church. I found everything the devil told me was for free out there actually cost me. It cost me conscience. It cost me soul. It cost me integrity. It cost me life. It cost me time. Getting drunk every week. I had no money left from my, my paycheck. I found freedom when I came into the house. The greatest thing I ever did was I bound myself to make Jesus Christ Lord over my life and the freedoms and the blessing and the provision and the abundance that comes. Why? Because when you make Jesus Christ Lord, you unlock the promises over your life. The devil couldn't stop you from getting saved, but he can certainly keep you there. And we see it all the time. The people who are Christians on Sunday and they live like hell, you know, Monday to Saturday, and then they come back to church and get resaved again on a Sunday. And absolutely God is there and he's there and he's there. But there's a greater life. There's a greater life. And that's why we're not a salvation church. That's why we're not just, hey, let's just get people saved. And come on, let's pray to God for people saved on the altar. We start with salvation, but we move into discipleship. What is discipleship? Discipleship is the journey. It's the process of circumcising, bringing pain into private and difficult areas to say, hey, Jesus is your Savior, but you got to make him your Lord. If you make him your Lord, you're going to enter into the promises of God. You're going to see his promises released over your life. 
when you walk in the promises of God. It was, it was Jesus. You know, we were happy in Australia. We wanted to stay in Australia. In fact, when Pastor Phil said, I think there's a church in you, we're like, gosh darn it, I want to be a youth pastor because it's the Peter Pan of ministry. You never have to grow up. Oh, gosh darn it. All right. And I talked to Leanne. She's like, okay. I said, all right, Pastor Phil, we'll go to the Gold Coast. I like the Gold Coast. Back then, there was no church over 1,000. The water is, in the winter, the water is like 71, 72. What, what it gets to here in the summer is how cold it gets in the winter there. And I'm like, we'll go to the Gold Coast. It'll be awesome. And uh, Pastor Phil's like, no, no, I want you to go to San Diego. That's not in Australia. And, but we, we were, we were kind of happy to, to, to kind of stay. But, but God had, and so I said to Leanne, and we, we just for the first time had seven years where with three little boys that were around cousins and around family. And now God was going to ship us away again. And then my mother gets diagnosed terminal. My, my, my brother and his wife separated. And we never, we didn't have it. We had a very strained relationship. And he called crying one night because he wasn't sure how it was going to work out. And there were very few voices in his life. And then we find a tumor on our dog. And we realize we can't bring our dog. That to come to America, we have to put Lulu down. Because I won't bring her in because of the, the tumors. And she probably had you know, six to 10 months, but we had to put it down then. And we kind of felt like we were robbing her life. And, but it was, it was, Jesus was Lord. It was, we just had to trust that we're going to see Lulu in heaven and she'll be able to talk. We just had to trust that Lordship is Lordship is a beautiful thing because Jesus rescued me from my sin. Sin is where I choose self. The essence of sin is selfishness. He rescued me from my sin, which was all my self-centered choices. I used people. I used substances. I used things because I was all about me. Then he saved me. Then he saved me. But Lordship... Lordship is where he approaches you in those moments and you prefer this or you want this and God makes it very clear that he sends his word and says I want that I used to think it was just, I used to think it was just probably me just you know being overly crazy with Starbucks toilets Oh my gosh, somebody needs to clean it. And God's like, yeah, you do it. I'm like, I'm not touching other people's poop and wee. Unhygienic. And I, I, and, and I used to think it's, no, surely God wouldn't ask. Nowhere in the Bible has he ever asked someone to clean up other people. I'm like, I'm trying to. But it, it, it wasn't about the poop and the wee. It was about. A test of lordship. You're in a bathroom with nobody else looking. You can walk out and say, oh my gosh, a pigsty in there. Someone needs to go. And he says, or oh, you can clean it up. And I, and I felt God say to me, how can, I, how can I enlist and entrust you to clean up a city if you can't clean up a little bathroom? It was, it was a little Lord thing. We, we would walk out of the you know, Vaughn's or Ralph's and most people unpack their carts and just 
put, put it up on the curb. And, uh, and the Holy Spirit would say to me, you don't do that. You return your cart. So I'm returning my cart because I use this cart. And I see one up there and one up there. And the Holy Spirit's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, they don't mind. He's like, pick them up. I'm, I'm not picking No, other people. That, In fact, I feel pretty good. I feel like I'm judging them. <laughs> oh, you didn't return yours? Yeah, because you're not godly like I. And he's like, pick I'm like, why would I cover their sin? He's like, because I covered yours. It's, it's in those little moments. It's in those little moments. Discipleship. Discipleship is the surrendering. It's the surrendering. These, the, the people trusted Joshua. Joshua's just, he's just the new pup. He's the new, Moses has only just died. Joshua's now got, the, the hat doesn't quite fit. The jacket's a little bit big on him. And all the men have to line up. And he's got a little flint knife and a little glint in his eye. <laughs> Thank God he wasn't cross-eyed. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> but they all had to line up. They had to trust. They had to trust his cut. The Bible says the day after, the manna ceased. They moved from provision into promises when they move from Savior into Lord. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Lift your hands high to heaven. For Jesus to be our Savior, He paid on the cross. He bled. He was pierced so that we could be saved, so that we could receive His provision of forgiveness, redemption, everlasting life. But I'm telling you, if you want to see who God moves upon in special ways, if you want to see people who, man, why does it always seem to work for John and Becky? Why does it always seem to work for... It's because they've unlocked a key where we know that Jesus paid so that I could be a beneficiary. But now, Lord, I'm going to pay. I'm going to pay so that I can walk in your promises. That's what lordship is. And the price is, God, I yield. I'm no longer the person with the final say over my life. You are. Pastor Phil Pringle said that integrity is siding with God against yourself. Integrity is siding with God against yourself. Making Jesus Christ Lord says, God, I want this. I want to go here. But Lord, what do you want? And you go with God. Lordship is trusting a newly appointed leader to be able to bring some pain in a very personal, very private area, knowing that they're just bringing you, they're trying to bring you into God's promises. I love our leaders. I love how courageous our leaders are. But can I just tell you, I love how pastoral. We don't have one leader that is a butcher with a knife. We don't have one leader who is reckless with a knife. Every single one of our pastors, every single one of our leaders 
they, they count it as a sacred thing. They are, they are like surgeons. If you're having open heart surgery, you don't go to the butcher. He can open you up and you go to a surgeon who is very, very delicate, who does minimal scarring, tries to be as minimally invasive as possible. We have exceptional pastors, exceptional leaders. Father, we thank you today that we move from the provision into the promises. We move from Savior into Lord. In Jesus' name. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.